Good morning, church. It is so great to be with all of you. My name is Ray. Um, I'm a teaching elder in the Pacific Presbytery, as you all heard earlier. And um, formerly, a few years ago, I worked as a community organizer for CLU, which stands for the Clergy and Laity United for Economic Justice. The J is silent. Um, and Santa Monica was actually one of my cities that I worked in. And so I got to know and partner with multiple congregations across Santa Monica, work with your city council members, work with many of your residents um, in the neighborhood, canvassed a ton, but unfortunately I never got a chance to worship and partner with you all, as you all were in transition um, with your interim pastor. And so I am particularly excited to be worshiping with all of you. It's always been something I had been looking forward to, which of course the pandemic sort of put aside for a time. So I was so glad when Tim reached out to me and we got to know each other and he invited me to come and preach. And so I hope to be worshiping with you all in the future. So thank you for your wonderful welcome this morning so far. Um, you all have such great people here and soon you'll probably be seeing me with my two kids jumping around the back and joining the children's service. This morning, our passage comes, um, that I'll be preaching on comes from a letter from John, 1 John, uh, chapter 4, verses 16b through 21. Please listen closely to the word of the Lord. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this way, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as God is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because God first loved us, those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from God is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sorry, I'm going to take a moment to take off this mask. Very carefully. There we go. Okay. Can you all hear me okay? Yeah. Wonderful. Please join me in a word of prayer. God, bless this space. Bless my words. Bless this community. That we may live out perfect love. Amen. So it's been an interesting time to guest preach at churches these past few years, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I've moved from being inside a congregation to on a screen to preaching from anywhere I happen to be. And it's also been an interesting time in that I've turned down a lot of preaching opportunities because it's been such an interesting time. Because just as you all have been affected by the pandemic and the many other things that have been going on in this world, I have been too. For well over the last two years, we've been walking in circles, and maybe 
for many of you, it might have been more than just two years. We've been living in a seemingly distorted and haunted Groundhog Day over and over again. COVID rates are yet going up again. Masks are going up again. Mass shootings and police shootings are common. Politics and court decisions continue to stymie rights and protections. Our communities and families are divided. And now we're rehashing the assault on the Capitol again and worried about war and more war. And this doesn't even include our own personal challenges that we already had existing before the pandemic. Unemployment, broken relationships, unstable housing, causing, causing depression and anxiety. Just about everybody I know is experiencing some sort of traumatic stress disorder from the events of the last five years or in some type of recovery. The reality is, my friends, we are in a moment of great fear, discontent, and anxiety in our society. And it pervades everything we do and who we are, no matter what age, no matter the color of our skin, what gender identity, what economic status, what migrant status. No matter our politics or beliefs, we are living and breathing in a moment of great fear. Meditation, breath work, which I've been getting into, and prayer are no longer practices in the church and in spiritual spaces. It has become a commonplace from the bedchambers to the council chambers, from the classroom to the boardroom, from the church meeting to the finance meeting. And no wonder we live in fearful times and we have become a fearful people. Now, fear in itself is not a bad thing. In fact, it is necessary, it is biological, and it is healthy. Fear alerts us to know that something is wrong. It tells us when something needs attention. It acts like an internal alert system in our bodies to protect ourselves, to protect us and, for and provoke us to freeze, to fight, or to flight. A survival mechanism. And sometimes it is a useful force that motivates us to creative and resilient imagination and action. After all, it is a fear of darkness that led us to the discovery of electricity. It is the fear of pain that led us to the advances in medicine. And it is the fear of hunger that led us to learn how to grow and harvest our own food. But fear, fear without love can easily become a hostile force of power that is reckless and abusive, destructive and viral, oppressive and inhumane. Fear without love breeds hate, then war, and then deeper hatred. Whether we like to admit it or not, fear, even for those who call ourselves Christians, even for those who call ourselves progressive, even for those who consider ourselves on the right side of justice, on the right side of morality, fear, not love, has become the defining factor of our politics and beliefs. More and more fear and hatred of the other side is what defines who we are and what we do. It is no longer the belief in something, but the belief of what we are not that dictates how we vote, 
how we socialize, and how we interact with the world, and even how we interpret the Bible. I hate Trump, so therefore I. I hate white supremacists, so therefore I. I hate gun advocates, so therefore I. I hate my father, so therefore I. I despise my boss, so therefore I. I hate my ex, so therefore I. We often overlook to recognize how events in our life define who we become and who we are. In 1 John it writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because God first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from God is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. In the last two years, we've seen a resurgence of the labor movement as workers have been fighting to unionize for better working conditions and higher pay. At corporations such as Amazon, Starbucks, Apple, and most recently, a Korean barbecue restaurant here in LA. What the labor movement started far before the movements that we see today was understanding and practicing the power of collective action. The power that comes when folks gather to change not only their own condition, but everybody's. And understanding that we were all in it together, a workers' movement, a people's movement, an everybody's movement. A movement that won us weekends, fair wages, paid family leave, and protections in the workplace. A movement that believes in dignity and rights, not just for the elect few, not just for those in the union, not just for the, those who were actually doing the fighting and doing the work, but for every single person. And the labor movement at its best is not organizing around an issue, not a policy or a worker's contract, but building a union, a union, a community, a people united, a fellowship, a church, and beyond the church, a group of people practicing love together, working together for the collective whole, born out of love. Love that is created and sustained at dinner tables and church meetings and neighborhood meetings as they share food and stories. Love that is defended and nurtured when one of us are hurting or treated unjustly. Love that is bolstered and nourished as we find solidarity with one another, as we advocate for one another and the collective whole. One of my friends and colleagues, Rabbi Arye Cohen, once preached at a press conference held at the LA Islamic Center following the Supreme Court's decision to uphold the Muslim ban. 
He said, your suffering is found in my suffering, and my suffering is found in your suffering. Your freedom is found in my freedom, and my freedom is found in your freedom. So says a Jewish rabbi who knows all too well the cost of the Holocaust. My friends, it is love that reminds us that we are not fighting our disagreeable fellow brothers and sisters, but rather the unjust systems of power that divide us and keep us down. My friends, it is love that reminds us that not we are not fighting our disagreeable fellow brothers and sisters, but rather the same fears and the same hurts and the same pains that divide us and keep us all down. Love demands that we walk with one another, break bread with one another, sit down with one another, and pray for one another, even those we call our enemies. Love demands that we walk into the fear of the other, join with them in solidarity, in the fear of the other, with courage and humility. Love demands that we act, we show up, and we fight not for what is mine, not for me and ours, but all of ours together, every single person's. Just before the pandemic here in Santa Monica, a group of hotel housekeepers with an all-woman group of community leaders and faith leaders came together to share stories. And out of these stories came community came fellowship, came union. A genuine concern for one another and the seeking of justice for one another. And out of this group birthed a hotel housekeeper ordinance that sought protections and justice, love to correct everything that stood against love. An ordinance that provide panic buttons to prevent assault fair compensation to correct the heavy workload that was added after the passing of the minimum, minimum wage law, or worker retention provision and needed trainings on rights and protections. An ordinance that would not just protect union workers here in Santa Monica, but all workers in the hotel industry across Santa Monica. And so over the course of two years, educational forums were hosted, stories were shared in community groups, marches and rallies were held, one-on-one -on -one conversations were held in coffee shops, offices, neighborhood stoops, and most importantly, most importantly, most importantly, friendships were made. Community was built. Friendships past age, past skin, past gender identity, past economic status, past languages, past migrant status, past politics. Love was asserted. Love was the guiding principle. Love was the foundation. After months of friendships, conversations, and storytelling, elected officials, hotel workers, community leaders, pastors, and rabbis, came together as Santa Monica City Council unanimously passed the Hotel Housekeeper's Ordinance. And now, a few years later, following the footsteps of Santa Monica, Los Angeles workers are trying to pass a similar, similar measure this fall. 
My friends, here's some practical advice for you all. Turn off the news and invite someone over for dinner and listen and break bread together. Do not pity them when they share their story of shame and loss. Turn around and share your story of shame and loss. Put down your cell phone and bring coffee to a neighbor or a bottle of wine, whatever they prefer, whatever you prefer, and learn about their story. Tell yours. Put down the paper. Who actually reads actual physical papers anymore anyway? Join a worker picket line and ask, how's your job going? Tell them how your job is going. Beyond politics, religion, class, and race, your suffering is found in my suffering, and my suffering is found in your suffering. Your liberation is found in my liberation, and my liberation is found in your liberation. We are all in it together, and things are not going to get better until we get together. In 1909, 8,000 steelworkers in McKees Rock, Pennsylvania, all from 16 different nationalities, speaking nine different languages, were sick of being exploited, sick of bearing their own. Joining together with the support of thousands of other workers, they went on strike and changed the course of labor rights in America. Dr. King said in his last speech in Memphis, you know, whenever Pharaoh wanted to prolong the period of slavery in Egypt, he had a favorite formula for doing it. What was that? He kept the slaves fighting among themselves. But whenever the slaves got together, something happened in Pharaoh's court and he cannot hold the slaves in slavery. When the slaves get together, that's the beginning of getting out of slavery. My friends, fear debilitates, destroys, hates, but perfect love casts out fear. My friends, this morning, May love be the correcting lens by which we pursue and practice justice and power as we move courageously in this season of our lives, this church, and our world. Amen.